All right. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we're exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff to answer the questions you need answered when building out your digital learning ecosystem. Today, I'm joined by Mike Kirk and Leah Sorrentino from BI Worldwide, and we are talking about the emotional side of learning and development. And hopefully, Leah, did I say your last name right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you rolled the R's, made it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I thought I had Mike's name right, but I, I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, just like James T. We're good. Yeah. Okay. For those of you joining us, uh, be sure to give us a thumbs up, uh, tagging somebody who'd benefit from the conversation. But before we get into it, all right, this week's question, and, and you've had a few minutes to think about it, is if you were singing karaoke or if you in a karaoke karaoke depending on on how you want to pronounce it but if you were to what song would you pick and why so mike let's start with you what, what would you be belting out sure so i i can i i, I hate to say i could sing the entire soundtrack of les mis uh because i'm one of those emotional guys i love the the, the ties to all the stories there and and you know what? I have a bunch of kids. My life sometimes is miserable. So I feel like I'm a revolutionary from time to time. So okay. that's uh, that would be my soundtrack. Okay. All right. Lay Miz. Wow. The whole soundtrack too. You would be the up, entire on, thing. You'd be up on stage for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. How about you, Leah? Now, I know you didn't tell me yet, but you said there might even be a whole playlist. So sure. what, what, what would that be? Um, so it depends on the mood of the crowd. I okay. usually go for cliches because I like attention. Okay. So I, <laughs> I do uh, Madonna's Like a Prayer, mostly okay. because people sing along, they will clap along. And I actually think I can sing it pretty well. Okay. And then if it's like a lower mood, people are a little bit more subdued. I'll do uh, Radiohead's "Creep." Okay. Okay. All right. So, see, so you got you. You've even got you. You can even adjust it. Crowd, you know. All right. <laughs> Everybody who's watching, I'm I'm curious to see what your your karaoke song would be. Uh, for mine, mine would probably vary, right? So uh, I have done. Well, so wait. Before I say mine, have you both sung those? for people before that's my that's my follow-up question lee is nodding so that's a definite yes so, mike have you so have you sang I, I have sung it for people my children sing it with me we sing it to the house but i've actually never done karaoke okay so. never never done it not even i've like never that. i've actually sung live on stage before but have never done karaoke okay okay all right okay you know, amateur only that's right surprise mike today's your day <laughs> now bring your prison yeah. 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 um yeah so i think mine would probably be right i i love piano man and again leah you know one of the songs that gets people to do it and i can play the harmonica part which you know if you have if i happen to have a harmonica in my pocket then i can bust out that but my second would probably either be the trolls soundtrack or the new Ugly Dolls movie, that has got some great songs in there as well. So uh, my kids and I already sing those, sing those when nobody's around. But okay, well, enough, enough on the singing before actually somebody does start singing. Um, so let's talk about this whole, you know, I've, I've done some posts leading up to it, and we've been talking about it for, for quite a while now is this whole emotional side of learning and development and, and its connection with with um, technology, but talk a little bit about it because when I've gotten to, as I've gotten to know BI, that is something that I've always found is something you talk about more than a lot of people. So tell me a little bit about why that is such a factor for for you all. Well, you know, 
our our company has been always grounded in the idea of behavioral economics. And we really focus on the concept of no, feel, do, which when you break that down, the concept of no, you know, every learning company out there in the world focuses on transfer of knowledge, right? I'm going to give this to you in the most uh, educationally appropriate way that you're going to digest it, right? But we all know that in the business world, it needs to be much more than what we know. The act of understanding and being able to incorporate that into our lives in a way uh, to actually create action is a big difference. So we always say that we're not trying to just become well-educated and competent, but we're trying to build advocates, right? So I often use the uh, example, I know that I shouldn't own a set morning, right? Probably not good for me, but I don't have the emotional buy-in to actually change my behavior. Pretty common, right? Our goal is to create advocates of people. So I have an Apple phone. I have an Apple computer. I'm wearing my AirPod Pros right now. I'm a huge Apple advocate. Why? Because I've bought into the story that they do. And what we try to do at BI is really focus on how we take people's businesses and help their employees buy into the stories that matter to them so that they can see their own progression in their careers and help build and develop the companies. So it's it's a very fundamental way that we look at things and we really drive that through behavioral economics, through the science of that. Leah is, is great when it comes to the gamification and the thought processes. So I'll give some time here to Leah, but that's kind of where we come from. Okay. Yeah, I'm to kind of piggyback off of that, like the emotional side of people is what really gets them to buy into an idea. It gets them to motivate and understand how the systems that they're participating in apply to them and are intrinsic to who they are. That is resonant in behavioral economics. And it's also how we participate in life. So in addition to the work that I do with BIW, I'm an artist. So I know how important it is to have an emotional connection. And that's the same thing that we have to think about when deploying technology, and especially in a learning journey, we learn through emotion. If you think about how you grow up and, and everything that you remember from middle school and elementary school and high school, like you remember the emotional things that you felt when learning those materials. So applying that into the business sense, like it just because you're now in a business world learning something does not mean that you are now separated from like how you participate in life. So applying your emotions to your problems and your solutions are kind of fundamental to actually getting people to get on a learning journey and then get to the other things that you want people to do after they learn something, which is productivity, productivity, efficiency, and loyalty to your business um, and to your objectives and your mutual goals. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I've seen this evolve, I think over, you know, I've been in this space for a long time and I've seen this evolve over time. I don't think, you know, it's, it, I, I would say in some ways it's becoming maybe more socially acceptable. I don't know. Have you seen a change in, in companies acceptance of this? Because I know I've always been a big advocate that we need to consider people as people and what are the emotional connections they're going through? Because it does have a huge impact and learning just like feelings is happening in the brain. So if you think they're not connected, right? It, it, it's just completely inaccurate. So have you seen as you've been working with organizations that there is more of an acceptance that we do need to prioritize this? Absolutely. So uh, in a lot of our clients, and one client in particular that I'm thinking of off the top of my head uh, is a retail client in which they sell kind of high-end products to their clients. And they have realized that 
um, the way to talk about learning is they actually, instead of having us work just directly with their learning group, we work with their customer engagement group of okay. what it is, what is the customer experience about? Because they realize that for people to talk about their products, for people to advocate for their products, they have, and, and to improve that customer experience, then the employees really have to be excited about what they're doing. And you can't get excited by just transfer of knowledge. Again, you have to find that advocacy of excitement about what you're learning and what you're talking about. And that's really where we focus a lot of our energy is how do we get people inspired about what they do? Yeah, I would agree. I've definitely seen it, honestly, across every industry that there's becoming a more focus on putting the people before the process and understanding what people need to actually become engaged and excited about what they're doing. Um, I think that you can even see the shift in terms of generationally. I think that you look at millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, there is a bigger understanding that community and camaraderie and inclusion are much more important to those audiences. And we are seeing a shift in that the systems have to start to develop those same type of social constructs that are motivating that audience in a digital space. So can we create more collaboration? Can we create more community? And that takes me, that means that you have to take emotion to actually build the foundations of those things. So I, I don't see any industry kind of shying away from it. I think what you run into a little bit more is understanding how the technology has to be in partnership with those objectives. And you see a little hesitation in terms of how do you approach some of these topics. And this is where like our organization, BIW, really kind of hones into understanding how people are motivated emotionally and then what kind of tech can we bring along with that to help develop those systems and make it easier to create that camaraderie. Okay. Yeah. So I want I mean, to, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just going to say, you know, five years ago when I got in here and we talked about bringing social into the learning space, it was a big taboo. People are like, oh, what would people say? How would people do that? And what they found is over the last five years, the level of authenticity that happens in more social environments where we allow people to be more authentic, have real conversations. Um, the farther we're able to move that along in the, uh, from a community aspect, we're able to actually move uh, behaviors because, hey, these are people that understand me and understand what I do um, and are here to actually help me. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing to really be authentic, to really drive that emotional and community factor. So. Okay. Well, and what I was going to jump, jump in on Leah is a point you brought up and I'm, you know, I, I've seen the generational thing comes up a lot when we talk about this and the, the impact that these new generations have, have brought in. What I always find interesting though, is, is talking and I'd love, you know, anybody who's watching to, to jump in on the comments is, you know, where does that come from? Because it's not that people have necessarily changed, right? This desire, this, this hunger for this has always existed. It's not like, baby boomers didn't care and had no emotions and work was just work. It just, the the environment has now changed. And I, I've seen the younger generations maybe pushing more of, of some of this stuff versus, you know, it wasn't really socially acceptable or, or maybe co corporations. I'm not really sure where the separation existed before, but it definitely, I've seen a huge shift from an industry standpoint. 
Sure. I mean, what I actually think has driven the shift is the transparency that technology has provided. We have social media platforms that have now allowed people to identify many different communities that they are involved, like could be involved in. And there's a lot more open conversation because of the separation that technology provides from face-to-face -face communication. So I believe that that shift actually happened as technology has become more proficient in allowing us to connect with one another. I do agree that like the emotional things that drive the generations that I mentioned are things that drive us intrinsically no matter what age we are. But I think the uh, adaptability, being a digital native, things like that, that have those tools that were inherently created to generate community have created a different dialect between the generations. And I see in like most of our programs, I get asked the question all the time, are younger people only gonna respond to gamification programs, for example? And it's across the board that it motivates every employee participant in some way or another, because what we're tapping into is that intrinsic motivation. We're developing it, excuse me, developing it through the technology, but uh, what we're tapping into is inherent. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's just it, right? I, I see technology, it's democratized and kind of broken down some of the silos that used to exist. And and that's, you'll hear that. I, I've heard it before too, Leah, where it's like, well, won't this only work for millennials? Won't only this generation tap into that? And it's like, well, no, because this is this is inherently a human capacity that you're tapping into. So let's talk a little bit about some of the technologies that that you're seeing that are making a difference in this. So, you know, I know you mentioned gamification. That's a buzzword, but I think there's more to it than just that. What other, let's tap into that one. And I'm also curious what other elements of technology you're using to tap into the emotional side. Sure. So I can, I'll can. i mention a little bit about the gamification piece, and then I'll hand it to Mike to talk about some of the other behavioral economic foundations that we include within our program. It's interesting when somebody says that gamification is a buzzword, since it's been around for so long, and you don't really find a quality user experience anymore that doesn't incorporate some kind of gamification. I think that the word, yep. because it includes game in it, usually has a knee-jerk reaction that makes it sound maybe not as sophisticated as it is, but I... I would put all my chips on if you're participating in LinkedIn or Duolingo or any of these systems, there's some kind of gamification at this point. And we use that uh, those game mechanics within different platforms and systems because we know that they are leveraging self-determination theory, which is leveraging this concept of our five intrinsic motivators. So it's really about like that, that whole emotional connection that we've been talking about. But gamification also leads to more enhanced user experiences that I'll let Mike speak to in terms of how we build out some of our programs and, and products that we use. We have a gamification engine. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of our learning platform, but it's, it's usually gamification with something else, right? So I'll let Mike hit on vividness and all of that other fun stuff. Well, and what you hit on though, that I think is when, when we talk about the buzz in L and D around gamification, I think it was the it went through a phase where it was grossly misunderstood. It was grossly overused and inappropriately used and without really any yep. sort of thought. It was just kind of, hey, if we add gamification to things, it'll just make it work. And it just was kind of mindlessly thrown at things. And that's not that's not how to use it to the best of its ability. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, yeah. I mean, I, go ahead, Leah. Go ahead, Leah. You jump in because then we'll turn it over to Mike. <laughs> Yeah, to, to hit on that, I do think that there was a lot of missteps when gamification started rolling out because I think a lot of people who don't understand technology sometimes look for quick fixes to kind of make 
problems. And what the real problem is, is that people were looking for, especially in learning journeys, something that was more personalized, that created autonomy, that showed some kind of sense of mastery and pride within the, in their work. And those are things that game mechanics tap into. But if you just throw out badges or you just have a leaderboard with no context, no additional rhyme or reason of how all of those game mechanics apply to a goal and to that specific person's objectives, then you did see a ton of programs fall short. And that's what was kind of so exciting um, about joining the BIW family is that there is a lot more purpose that can be driven with personalization, with creating a user experience that puts the user first and their emotional needs first. Yeah. Well, the quick fix, right? It's like it's like the promise of, you know, hey, take this pill and you'll lose 20 pounds. Like, well, that doesn't work. Just like, hey, right. throw gamification at this learning and all your users will suddenly learn and be excited to learn. It, that's just not the way it happens. So, um, Mike, yeah, what, what were you going to add to this one? Yeah, so really when it comes down to it, the way that we always focus on this is, is starting with, like any business problem, what are your business goals? And then understanding how to take those goals then and drive those down into an understandable bite-sized piece for your learners to actually understand what they can get a hold of and what can actually make change and not just the company's life but in their own career paths you know gamification is, has permeated everything that we do i pulled up this quick little app i gamify the water i drink uh, with my thermos app right it literally keeps track of every ounce i drink why do I do that? Well, because I'm excited. I, it's something I'm not good at, uh, is drinking enough water. So this motivates me and that my children have the same app. And so they yell at me when I don't drink enough water now. It becomes this community thing that I can be proud of. And so really what we do is when we, we work with companies, we start with what are your business objectives? Um, in this case, I drink, uh, mine was to drink more water, water, right? What are your objectives? And then we drive all of the missions, all of the thought process around delivering something that's not going to just uh, be a game and, and hey, well, hey, I want a badge, but wow, I've accomplished something that's better for me and my career and moving me along a path that learning can do for you. So it, it, it's really taking the time to focus what those ideas, what those gamification mechanics need to drive to, to actually deliver results for not only the company, but for the individual. Again, it's all about personalization. Yeah. One of the things you said there, and I want to dig into this a little bit, is kind of a, not necessarily a misstep, but I think a, a step in gamification that maybe wasn't, that you talked about there that I think is important. When I saw gamification really come on the center stage in when it first did, so much of it was focused on competition, right? It was all about competition right. and beating each other, you know, and who was going to be yep. at the top, which really in many cases or in some cases can actually demotivate people because right. not everybody is intrinsically motivated to beat their peers or try and be on top. And, and it almost can have a, an adverse effect. So you talk Absolutely. about it in that personalization stage. And I think that's an important factor to highlight with it, that it's not just, oh, gamification's about pitting your employees against each other to win. No, I completely agree. In fact, a lot of our clients, what we really focus on isn't necessarily your top 10% because those top performers are people that you can model things after. But when you put a leaderboard in place, those are the guys who are always going to show up on top. 
the people who are on the bottom half, that bottom 10%, that probably need to get cycled out anyways. But what we really focus on is that middle 80%. What is the middle doing? And how do we help drive them to show up tomorrow and continue to work on what will make them better incrementally? Sometimes you can do that through leaderboards that focus on just around their own peers and who they are competing with. But more importantly, you focus that around what is it that you need to learn that will focus your attention better and make you feel more confident and competent at your job? Because let's be honest, nobody wants to suck at their job. They just don't. People don't like to show up and not feel (laughs) like they know what they're doing, right? And we've seen this in companies around the world where people show up and they're like, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that I'm doing this the right way. If we can help motivate that and change that, all of a sudden we start building this concept called idiosyncratic fit. It's a behavioral economics term, which means that I feel like I have a unique place in this job that does something for, you know, applies something different than anyone else has the ability to do. I feel like I'm an important cog to this machine. And when people start feeling that, you get not only motivation to do their job better, but you have people who are more uh, connected to their companies and who are willing to advocate for their place in this world and and, and whatever their business is. So it's really important to focus around those types of things. Yeah, I would say that like, I definitely see a lot of uh, people when they think about gamification and and don't always necessarily be as sensitive when they're adding it, especially to a learning journey, because there is a lot of drive to what we understand about games, which can be competitive, punitive, winners, losers, but that's not what gamification is, right? And that's not what a learning journey is. It's evergreen. You're continuously growing. So thinking about how to use those techniques to more create the transparency of how can I perform the best for my ability, for my career, for my job? How can I have a mission that leads me to what is the best thing for me to do next? And how can I gain mastery and then share that with the community? Or even thinking about how does my contribution within these programs really drive to helping everybody and not just myself, that social aspect. So instead of thinking about being competitive, using the program to drive collaboration, especially in something as sensitive as learning, right? Nobody wants uh, to be shouted out into a community that they're not good at learning something. <laughs> like that's right. that's right. completely demotivating. It's like the sometimes people use gamification as like a digital form of a dunce cap, right? Like yep. that has been proven to not work. <laughs> so yep. uh, it's <laughs> One of the things that Mike said is about really focusing on the goal. And I think one of the traps that kind of comes into technology and especially gamification in general is thinking about gamifying a platform versus gamifying a goal. Gamifying a platform is not going to create an emotional connection, right? Like you're the person is not seeing themselves in that platform. Gamifying a goal allows people to understand and honestly create a connective tissue to everything that happens even outside of a learning management system, right? This is where you can start tethering, like what is that learning journey actually being applied to within the other parts of a job or another system that I'm participating in? Starting to think much more holistically that learning isn't just about the onboarding or learning a new skill, but it's about performing and being a better person, being a better you within your organization or even outside of it. Okay. Well, and And that that is such a personal piece. 
right? I mean, and and somebody brought it up in the comments about you know, earlier we were talking about about the generational nature of of different you know motivators and things like that, and that's where you do have to think more holistically about how are we using these elements to meet our audience where they are versus make broadband assumptions that, well, let's just do this or let's approach it this way because that will work for everyone. What were you going to say, Mike? Um, I think uh, on top of all of that, I think it's also good to make sure that your systems celebrate success. So not only do we, we help make this a personalized experience so that I feel like, hey, I've create, you know, I've gotten to my certification, I've gotten to X, Y, Z, but then on top of that, to take that and try to elevate those, those accomplishments opposed to that leaderboard punitive approach of I'm, you know, 22nd on the leaderboard, right? So, so taking those opportunities to celebrate people's success, I think is another good way to take gamification and really elevate people are doing what are succeeding in and making it a positive experience for everyone who's involved. So, so we've talked, we've dug into gamification. You know, are there any other components that you want to dig into? I, I know, you know, one of the things we talked about was being able to highlight and showcase some of this stuff and talk a little bit more in context. But any other ones we want to dig into? You know, that you're that you're really focused on at BIW. So, from a uh, creative standpoint, um, where I always focus a lot of my energy is this concept of vividness, where making something that. Um, emulates the brand, emulates that story in a way that allows me to feel like I'm connected to it. All too often, learning management platforms uh, and systems are one-size-fits-all, very dry. They are file organization systems. And they, they again, they don't drive to a personal uh, solution for me. It's here's the stack of homework that I have for you. So what we really try to focus around with our learning experiences is this idea that we can create a world that matches your marketing world, that matches the stories that you tell both internally and externally, so that as I dive into that as a user, both from a learning standpoint and from the experience itself, that it feels like an elevated experience. It feels like I'm part of something bigger. And it seems like a subtle thing for to say, hey, this looks and feels like me beyond just having a logo up in the right corner that says my company name, right? But people become intrinsically involved where they say, wow, this is something that's important to my company. My company has valued this enough. They value this the same way they value our products. They're valuing me and the experience that I have in my learning journey as much as they do everything else. And then all of a sudden, I start to buy in. And as I then really explore the products, really explore that experience, now all of a sudden I have this intrinsic motivation, this, this vividness that makes me want to continue to come back and see the new things and grow my place in that company. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it, well, and I think from a creative side, that's sometimes misunderstood, right? When we talk about the importance of, I've, always been a big advocate of the intentionality behind branding and having a key message that comes through through the creative elements of it because it does create that connection. I think sometimes it's just seen as, oh, you're making it look pretty. Well, no. And if that's all you're right. trying to do with something is just say, hey, can you make this look pretty? It's not going to have that same impact as if you're really investing in creating some intentionality behind the creative elements and the design that 
that, as you said, makes people feel connected to something and invested in just even through that. Right, right. It, you know, we've been doing this in the marketing world for 100 years, right? I, I can say somebody know or somebody says McDonald's or any other tagline that in which that I'm connected to brands that I care about. If I said, just do it, you know who I'm talking about, right? There are a ton of those things that we do from a campaign standpoint um, and a marketing standpoint where we really create this uh, community that people involuntarily want to be a part of. They go, wow, I want to be one of those guys who just does it, right? Uh, that's, that's the story I want to tell. Well, when we can do that with our learning and say, hey, look, we can change the outcomes of your sales at the end of the day, or we can change the way that you talk to customers on, a, you know, from a call center so that you can feel more empowered to help support them. All of a sudden, there are reasons. There's that what's in it for me that people can start to connect to. And if you can build those campaigns, if you can build your learning around a real thought process that way, you're going to drive more usership and more importantly, more uh, uh, acceptance and really in uh, connectedness to the overall outcomes of what that learning was meant for. Yeah, I think so. also you take into consideration how many businesses are focusing on culture and trying to develop a culture to obtain talent and uh, acquire new employees, and then don't take that culture and make it go all the way through to the platforms that people are using once they get into their position and into their job, into their training track, into their onboarding. It's such a disconnect between what the company is saying versus what the company is doing and the employee is experiencing. So it, it you mentioned like it does make things look pretty if you think about vividness and, and all that, but it also gives a clear message to yeah. people when they're participating in these systems and these platforms, like is where the buck stops, uh, you know, and not even just like the actual money buck, but where the intention stops, uh, what's the priority of my business, of my company, of my company's culture, if that's not going through to my learning platform, it's not in my CRM tool, if all these things feel disconnected, then I'm gonna disconnect them as an employee from my priority. Right, because I know that my company isn't investing in the same way as they are other cultural aspects of the business that I just visually feel like I would now have to participate in or give more attention to right. based off of their look and feel. That's that's an extremely important point that you bring up, and I think it's one that way too often goes overlooked. Is that it's not just about making it look nice. I mean. Is that a good thing? Sure, but it's incomplete because it's not just about making it look nice from a user experience standpoint. It's about tying it back to, because even the mental fatigue of, okay, this is completely disconnected. It makes it harder to feel like everything's brought together and the message that that sends. I think one of the things that, you know, on the ins inside side as a practitioner that we can do that we maybe sometimes struggle with is one, you operate in silos, right? You're, you're operating in your silo, you're, you're heads down, you're not thinking about the bigger picture, you're so caught up in the day-to-day -day activity. And two, sometimes we're just so wrapped up in execution, we aren't thinking bigger picture and strategy. And I think that's why when it comes to this stuff, it is important that we slow down to move fast because we have to step back we have to think about the bigger picture. We have to be able to do that because ultimately, yes, that may take more time. It may take more resources, but ultimately we're going to get a better gain out of it. Is that what you see with the people who take the time to do this and do it well? I mean, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, even in like some of the, and I, I'm sure that we're going to get to them, some of the examples that we have um, of how some of these concepts are playing out for customers 
I'm seeing that the customers that create really evergreen sustainable programs are even taking an agile methodology, understanding what their goals are when we're trying to launch something, getting something out that isn't just a most viable product, but really responds to what the need is at the moment, but understanding that this is a long game, that goals and priorities and audiences and systems, they're all going to change. And we have to come up with a plan to understand and add new features that are going to respond to not just our present selves, but our future selves and what where the technology is going to grow. Because if you focus everything on what the technology is now, you know that then we're going to have an outdated experience within a year at best. You know, So yep. definitely seeing the people who are thinking about these investments as a long game, yep. um, that we want to see immediate results to kind of provide that ROI to understand why we're even making the investment, but that we know that the work is never really done because we and our businesses are constantly evolving. Yeah. Well, and that's... That's, I think, one of the biggest messages that we can send is that this is a never-ending journey. There is no like destination you arrive to. It's going to be a continual journey that you're on, and that's just part of the game with, with this. And now, granted, I don't think that's new. I think technology is just changing the way that we we execute that. Um, so so on this one, you know, when because like I said, a lot of organizations I know struggle with even thinking and operating this way. This isn't inherently, there's all sorts of stuff about, you know, L and D needing to operate more like marketing. And while I think that statement gets grossly, you know, overused and it's used in the wrong context, I think what we're talking about is one of those elements from marketing that we can think more intentionally about how, how do you help organizations that maybe struggle with that? How do you help them along on that journey? Cause that can be a big shift for people who maybe have just been in execution mode of we, we create stuff, we push it out, we create stuff, we push it out. And now we're saying, stop, think about this holistically and be very strategic about how you're doing it, you know, in each channel. So BI, one of the ways that we really break that down is we actually just look at the results, right? We, we look at what are the overall barriers for our employees? What are we doing now? What's working? What's not working? But more importantly, we go out and we actually do interviews with those employees and say, what is it about your training that is working for you? What is growing and exciting you? What is, and we dive down into the deep details of what works and what doesn't work. And when we start to do that, we start to see barriers that are usually emotional barriers. You know what? I don't have the time and I'm afraid my boss is going to get mad if I spend too much more time on my learning. I um, don't find the value in this for my career because I should be out there knocking on doors. I don't see X, Y, Z. And when you start to break that down, then you can start to say, okay, now let's approach instead of, hey, I need to create 10 more learning modules, but I need to create a path for this person to find value in taking three modules that will actually change their behavior. And when you can start to do that, you start to focus and blueprint out what is it that is the emotional factors that are slowing people down and making people disengage. You can then, just like in a marketing campaign, focus on what matters and get people moving in the right direction. Um, and there's a lot of different mechanisms that you do, uh, you know, you can use to help solve those problems. But the first things first is to really understand what is it those, what are those things that are stopping people from acting the way that we want them to do? And that holds true from call centers to pharma reps to everywhere in between. Um, because there's a lot of different needs for each of those groups. Yeah. Well, and for, 
for as long as as I can remember, you know, one of the, people people a lot of times, and they say this not just for corporate L and D, right? People say it's in a, it's a, a people throw it out in a lot of ways. I don't have time for that. I don't have time. Right. I've all, we all have the same twenty four hours in a day, and my perspective is if you 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 always have time for things that are important to you. It's just exactly. if you don't see things are important. And I think that's a message that we can take in L&D is if people are telling us they don't have time for the things we're doing it, they're telling us what you're offering isn't a priority enough for us to dedicate time to it. And that's that's sometimes a hard message to receive, but it's one that I think we need to receive and say, well, then how do we create things that you do prioritize, that you do spend time on because you know what we're doing isn't working? Yeah, I, I mentioned this like a little bit earlier about thinking about learning in the whole holistic employee, you know, role. And I think that one of the things that we try to really strive for with our customers is making the connection to what the learning is going to have an outcome on the thing that somebody is prioritizing. So most enterprise companies are very siloed. And when you're working with people, a learning team, you usually are working with a certain segment of that organization. And what we really try to strive for is trying to get the other people that the learning is going to impact their business to the table, understand from a, it's kind of interesting having me and Mike here. Mike works a lot on the front end. I'm the back end strategist, right? So thinking about what is the connective tissue of the technologies that we can be bringing together to enhance the that kind of learning experience to what happens after the learning is done. Um, so I think that that's a way that we try to generate the conversation of prioritization within a learning space is not saying that what, what, what the results are is a faster learner or an easier learning experience, but the results are better sales, the results are retention, the results are higher performance, and using the data to kind of generate that connection to push that prioritization because there's only so much you can do within the platform and the system. Right. It kind of takes the communication outside of the system. It takes the buy-in of managers and supervisors to understand like what benefits them because we can make the user experience as slick, beautiful, and cohesive as possible. We can make it as personalized as possible, but we also have to get the buy-in of the people who are directly responsible and accountable to the people participating in the program. And how you do that is show those results that if we can you know, make this learning journey more seamless, more personalized, easier to use, you're going to see these downstream effects and we should be measuring these things in tandem. So we wanna see is, are we increasing your you know, user retention within your LMS? Are we getting better performance? What other numbers and data do we have to bring into this to show that you have to keep prioritizing these platforms and these people within these platforms? Well, and it it goes back to two big things, right? One, focusing on the outcomes first. I think too often we just focus on the thing instead of what are we hoping that thing is driving. So that's that's first and foremost one of the biggest steps. But one of the other things, and and it's been a message that's been clear in almost every episode of Learning Tech Talks, is technology is a tool and an enabler. It's not right. a silver bullet. So yeah. buying buying a platform with all the you know what's doodles and you know zingers in there isn't going to magically make things happen just because you have a tool. And I think that's something that, but you can't overlook the power that it brings. You know, you talked about Leah, the, the data behind that and making more data driven decisions. 
I think before we often struggled with that because we didn't have the data that helped us say, okay, where is it not sticking? Where are we still have gaps? Where are things really taking off that we can invest more? It was a little bit more of a gut check um, or, or based on assumptions. And I think that's where technology is, is huge in helping empower that. But again, it's, it's only an enabler of, of what's already happening. Yeah, and I will say even like with the growth and the visibility to to big data, that now that's a buzzword. (laughs) 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 Like if you're not coming uh, and approaching that data with a set of ideology and to like kind of harp back on what Mike said, like BIW approaches our customers with the concepts of behavioral economics. The data helps inform that we are making decisions that are clearly working in terms of that emotional connection, but you do have to apply an ideology and a set of rules to how you want and think people are going to be participating and then using the data to create optimizations or prove out success. Like the data in in and of itself um, will give you a lot of visibility into what's happening, but if you're not applying some kind of ideology or emotion to that data, it, it... we generate data all the time, it, right. it won't matter. <laughs> right. we, we always say around here, when it comes to data, um, and I hear people all the time, well, what kind of reports do I, am I going to get out of this? I want, you know, I want to be able to have this report that, you know, it's a mile long and, and I can show it to my boss. That's nope. great. <laughs> what I care about is what questions are you trying to answer with that report? with this data because then i can set up systems that say okay i'm going to track x y and z here are the factors that matter to that actual so even when it comes to big data it's like how do we ask the right questions to get the data that we're actually looking for and sometimes that's not just that i open it up i have one client who has who did compliance training and they love their numbers at the end of the year because they said hey we always have 98.7 percent or higher completion rate but they didn't look at the fact that they forced everyone to take compliance. And if you hadn't taken it in the 30 days, guess what? Your computer got shut off. So guess what? People were taking it. They were using a metric that was a little false because everybody had to take it. But what they weren't looking at was what are people doing with the information once they've taken it? How many people are actually engaged or how many people are just clicking as fast as they can to get through this darn thing, right? Those factors, how long you're spending, what you're spending, all of those things that you're actually trying to drive to is what that data can then support to help drive those behaviors. Um, and that's where data matters is, is asking those right questions. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to that outcome focus, right? That comes back to the outcome oh. focus that you even have to apply with data. I mean, you see people get doe-eyed over some of these systems and it's like, wow, look at all these <laughs> dashboards and these things. And now we know this. Yay. And it's like, right, but what are you going to do with that? What is your, what is right. your, as you said, Leah, the, the ideology behind what, why does that matter to you? And what are you going to do about it based on what you find? Yeah, and data visualization can be it, uh, almost triggering for me sometimes in conversations because we always want to present, especially to end users, employees, participants, all of this data visualization. But what does it mean to the person in their yeah. job? How does it benefit them? And what are they supposed to do with that information to make it actionable? I love pairing data visualization with gamification because then I can see some kind of performance if it's negative. I should be provided some kind of actionable steps that the system is telling me to do to adjust that data. Data visualization on its own 
can really be incredibly demotivating, especially if you don't know how to make the needle go the way that you want. Um, You know, you talked about your uh, water app um, with the gamification in it. You understand that if it's low, you drink water. There's an action step there. I think about that with my Nike run app. If I want to get to the next level, I got to go hit the street. And sometimes with learning systems for employees, people aren't thinking about when they're giving that visualization, well, what is, if somebody's doing poorly, you have to tell somebody in a personalized way, what do they have to do to change those stats? Otherwise, those dashboards are an incredibly beautiful, expensive, possibly waste of time. Yep. Yep. No, I I completely agree with you on that one. And, And I think that's one of the things that is so important as we move into this data-driven world and we have more of this data that we don't just overwhelm people with data that doesn't mean anything to them because it can not only, I mean, what you're talking about is they don't know how to action against it, but what it also can do is you're just throwing more stuff at them that now they have to process on top of everything else and say, okay, now I have all this information. I have no idea even what it means, what I'm supposed to do with. And then worse, as I start to figure it out, I don't even know how to action against what to do to make the needles move. So there is definitely some risk behind, you know, how you execute some of this stuff. And I mean, that's, that's bigger than an LMS telling people, Hey, what things have you done or what type of learnings have you engaged in that? I see that impacting things across business functions globally. So let's, I want to make sure we get into this a little bit before we, before we run out of time, because we will, Uh, you, you, you brought some stuff so we can kind of take a look at how you're bringing this to life through technology. And I think we've talked about some of these elements, but getting a chance to see it in action would be great. So Mike, if you want to pull that up, let's, let's show for folks what we mean when we say, well, this is what good gamification looks like, or we we're creating emotional connections through, through journeys and brands, because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the first example I, I'm, I'm going to sh- walk you guys through here is is a piece that we put together for Del Boomi. And uh, their goal here was really simple. They, they have this new complicated integration software that certifications was their main goal. So we kind of sat okay. down, we looked at what their overall goals were, and we said, how do we bring this to life? So what we did is even in the login screen, you can see how we've really created an experience that's really brand focused and help people understand who they are. Um, but unlike any other learning system, what we focus on in this particular case was how do we really drive the user's story? How do we help under, help people understand why the, the certification matters and then what they can do to grow themselves? So you'll notice that as we dive in here, you know, where are my current missions at? So in, in, in this particular case, we call them missions, right? Okay. So the missions are driven through a series of actions that someone will need to take. And that can be e-learning, that can be ILT, that can be a blend of a lot of different pieces of here's what I need to do to accomplish my next goal in this certification path. Now, everybody has that same path, right? Everybody has the goal of, of working through both intermediate and advanced pieces of their certification training. But when you start looking at this and start breaking down where are the places that I'm strong at, you'll notice that B2B management, mastery of hub, uh, data hub, all of these things are at different levels of my progression as I went through. But I have a clear understanding of what I need to do next 
to keep driving my behaviors. And I get points and experience points as I go along. Every mission really breaks down into um, clear goals, but then uh, large values and, uh, of course, badges and understandings of what this does to help drive my behavior within the system as a whole. So I'll pause for just a second and yeah. see if you have a question. Well, so going back to some of this, as, as I'm looking at this, I'm assuming from you know diving into this that even the colors, the, the branding behind this, is this all part of then, you know, as you were working with them, is this all part of the, the culture, the brand that goes along with it versus just this is kind of our out of the box, this is how we've designed it? No, so absolutely. Yeah, go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, Leah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when, we, when it comes to designing uh, these pieces, we build all of these, the front ends completely custom. We work with the advertising side of their teams, the marketing sides of their teams to help drive to what is it that's going to make this feel like it's part of your overall system. We'll look at another system that we put together for uh, a different company, and you'll see how different uh, the outcomes and the, even the business needs were and why we built them different. So you'll, you'll start to see how that changes as we kind of move forward. Yeah, the interesting thing about like as this program launches, now their communities using this iconography, all of their other partner experiences are also going to have this unified approach. So you're not going to go from one system to another and have some kind of visually radical different experience. It's all going to have the same synergy, the same uh, cultural value, the same iconography. So um, we used all of those elements that are gonna be now a part of the holistic partner experience. And this is just the learning aspect of really nurturing their partner community. Okay. The other you know, really cool thing about this program is you see these featured missions um, and you see what the missions that somebody is working on, but those featured missions aren't based off of just company objectives. They actually are dynamically populating based off of where I am in my journey. Now, the now Boomi at any time, if there's some kind of new course, new feature, new thing, they can reprioritize that to the top of somebody's featured missions list. Okay. But as long as I'm working on this throughout the LMS, all of this gets personalized to me. It's not stagnant um, or just based off of the journey that Boomi wants somebody to go on. It's really based off of where that learner's needs and their interaction with the system is. Okay. So it, it really de demystified the, Boomi has amazing content for their partners. Yeah. And they had a, a system that really presented all of that content as if everybody was entering the learning journey at the same place. And it was pretty difficult to navigate on what would be the best path for me. Okay. What we have now done is created through these missions an easy way for somebody to get on track to what they are based off of how they're registering, what segmentation information they're providing to us, and allowing the system to, if you want to access all courses and all things, you'll have that ability. But if you want to just kind of clearly understand where I need to go next based off of my interest, this is what we've now provided to that end user. Okay. So the personalization nature of it is is really coming into play by, you know, you as a user are coming in and we have information about you as a user. And based on that information, we're, yes, you still have access. We've democratized what's there, but rather than just leave you to figure it out, we're, we're personalizing that journey to help you understand what's important for you and what things you may want to consider first. Yeah. So if you think about like, you know, Mike mentioned about, do I have the time to do this? We're trying to give people some time, right? Yeah. Like taking out that guesswork and making it more efficient and easier and transparent. Okay. Well, and one of the things, so you talked about the, the 
totally custom front end nature of this. And one of the things that for me that can sometimes inspire, incite a reaction is depending on that, that can be a dangerous play, right? Because going back to the, and I've seen this go south more times than I can count where it's, oh, we're going to completely personalize this or customize this for our little silo, right? We're going to personalize and customize this look and feel around the brand, the, the, the personalization of our silo, instead of saying, no, we're going to customize this, but we're going to customize this to fit in with the broader strategy and make it feel like part of the enterprise strategy. That's doing it, I think, in a good way, doing it in a, well, we're going to create our own little custom solution that looks completely different from everything else, but we really like it, is where it can actually create more problems than it solves. Well, absolutely. Sure. So, I, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the behind the scenes tech of like yeah. how we can sprawl across multiple systems. So one of the things that we are using with, uh, this is our Lex platform and our Nitro platform kind of bringing this to life, is taking the ability of a, a SaaS product, which is Nitro, being able to build upon APIs that exist, but then can also be included into other systems. So uh, the front end, like, and I'll let Mike talk about that, is customized, personalized based off of that branding, but the back end can actually have a connective tissue to other technology platforms. Okay. So not really thinking about this from an infrastructure standpoint in a silo, um, but making sure that the experience reflects the business unit who uh, needs this to come to life into fruition. Uh, I'll let you talk about the front end a little bit, Mike. Well, yeah, and and just to add to the the back end piece of this, not only does this uh, work from a front end and integrate with Nitro and kind of those systems, but it also ties directly to their LMS. We right. we're still a believer that you need to have a single source of truth. Um, and this actually feeds directly all of the, the courses. Every course that is taken from this is actually launched inside from the uh, the LMS through those same APIs. So that tight integration to having still kind of an enterprise solution um, that still works with all of the rest of your enterprise solutions is a really important piece to this. And then on the front end side of this, again, trying to look at what are what are your current goals from a marketing standpoint and the way that you tell your story and the way that you um, are excited about your brand and your product, how do we take that that energy and help drive the learning experience to really focus that type of an experience so that this feels like part of that same family um, and not just kind of the learning that I have to take, but yeah. instead, this is a way to enrich my job so that I can talk about my products better. Yeah. Well, and this feeds into what we've been talking about, where technology can be an enabler of this, right, versus just uh, another tool that you're adding to the stack. It's more of a way of bringing this together with the intentionality of making it feel personal, um, connecting it to real goals, real things that are important to you, and making it feel like it's part of you know, the bigger mission, I guess you will, of the organization so that you feel like you're tied to something more meaningful. Absolutely. Okay, so let's keep going here because I know there was another one. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the other example we brought to you is actually from a nursing community that actually worked nationwide and actually had their biggest problem when it came to learning was actually the fact that they felt so isolated. So in some places they had single nurses yep. in small towns and in other places they had you know, sections of a hospital, but they didn't feel like they were connected. And they had people who were leaving the organization 
not because they didn't have opportunities, but because they couldn't see them. They couldn't see that there were other people that were, you know, nocturnal nurses that were staying up all night. And so they said, how can we drive that behavior differently? And we said, well, first we need to build a community. And so what we did is their, their landing page is really a community like experience, very much like a Facebook or any other social platform in which they can elevate, uh, ideas and things that are happening for the week where they can elevate and and recognize um, users for completing certain types of training or certification and continue to challenge them to see new things and and have a voice they can uh, reach out and actually connect to other people uh, other nurses in their network that are like them so that they can ask them questions or they can reach out and actually meet with them but then when we we started this we said okay let's build it here but then let's talk about how you can take this then and move it to a career pathing system that allows this to be a personalized experience. This started to move us into that path where it became authentic, right? Where we had individuals posting on a regular basis. And we said, let's take that to your career exploration. So as they drove into an exploration of any of the possible jobs that they had in the organization, um, we worked with their employees to say, hey, what is the the experience like for each of these jobs so instead of hey do you want to become uh, a manager or a a nocturnal nurse we said what does a day in the life look like and we actually got personalized interviews from every one of these job types so that people could explain what their day was like and then we gave them the tools to say and if this is something that seems like it would fit for you here are the learn here's a learning path to help drive to that experience. Okay. So here are the steps that you can take to get there. So uh, a much different way of looking at what learning pathing can be because it's again personalized. What am I interested in and what can I drive to? Well what's what's interesting about this that I think is unique uh, and that I like about kind of this approach to things is right upskilling, reskilling, this whole like new, the new jobs thing is is kind of taking the industry by storm and corporations by storm. And I see in many cases, everyone's still trying to tackle it from a very non-personal way. It's just like, well, these are skills and you need these skills and you have to do this, but it's not telling the important story of, well, you know, what does that lead to? What do these jobs look like? Is this something I'm interested in to give that intrinsic motivation to find out more about, well, why do I want to engage in these new skills? Instead, it's just taking more of the approach of you used to be like this. Now you need to do this. Here's the stuff you need to do to gain the skill, and and when you do it that way, it's it's not terribly motivating, to be honest with you. Versus, no. versus this feels more like, wow, I want to be like, you know, whoever this person is, because that person I now have a connection with, and that's something I can see myself doing. Exactly. One of the ways that we add to that is, um, it's important for people to be able to see their future wherever they're at in their career, to be able to see where can I be in in five years. So one of the things that we added to each one of these uh, career journeys. Or, or paths is a clear understanding of what people had been doing for their career. So this particular path, you know, this person had started in the emergency department and then went to ICU and then went to acute RN and then went to a pathway cash, cash or case manager. So understanding the history of that um, and where people were at in the organization and how they grew starts to create this idea that, oh, gosh, there is longevity here for me. I'm not just doing this job. I have the opportunity to move from place to place and grow myself in my career. Um, 
And it's really laid out with someone who you can actually reach out and talk to and, and be connected to. Again, it's about authenticity when it comes down to it. Okay. Well, and this goes back to something, Leah, you had mentioned, you know, much earlier on where the technology is really what it's doing is it's it's demystifying a lot of this stuff and giving people connections to things that before were locked in people's heads or it was locked in, you know, some place that you didn't have access to where now you can see, hey, this is this is a job. The example you gave, right? This is a job role. This is a real person who's in that job role. This is the career path they've been on to get there which then allows you to build that emotional connection to, I can see myself being that person. And now, now I have an intrinsic motivation to want to go down that path instead of being told it's 2020 technology's coming. You need to upskill in this area because you have to, or go the way of the dinosaurs. Like that's not a very exciting story versus the other way around. No, I mean, like thinking about the plat, the platforms are tools, not the solution. The yep. solution is understanding how to nurture your learners that is going to also mutually help grow your business. And I think that the example that Mike just showed and, and that you just highlighted of where we can watch other people's progression, apply it to ourselves, create that personalization that's needed so I can see how the any of the data or visualization has, is actionable, that I can make change and create that autonomy while also understanding I am a part of a community of people who are all driving towards the same goal, really tapping into all the different aspects of how we think about ourselves within our job roles, but also our place within our lives. Yeah. Well, and I think that as we kind of wrap here is an important thing. When you think about personalization, personalization isn't necessarily just about the end user. It's about your, what we're talking about here is about personalizing what this whole career thing looks yeah. like. You're making it human. You're making it a personal thing versus right. this corporate cold kind of thing that people can't right. relate to. So I think that's, that's a, an awesome kind of way to conclude it. So this has been great. It was great to see um, see some examples of how you're bringing that to life through technology. I think this was a great discussion. So I appreciate the time you had. It's, it's always good to connect with, uh, with my BIW friends. So thanks for being <laughs> here. And uh, everybody watching, thanks for joining us. And have a great weekend. Thanks so much. We'll talk again, Chris. All right.